question of fear. We're all afraid of it. And there are things in relationship to this fear that you and I have to recognize. That if you trust in God and let Him be your guide and strength, you won't have that fear. And your fear is in relationship to your trust. As your faith in God gets stronger, your fear dissipates. And as your faith in God gets weaker, your fear arises. You want to have fear dissipated and removed? Then you rise up and hold up the name of the living God and look to Him to undertake for you, and He will. It's our faith that brings victory. It's our faith that casts out fear and enables us to put our trust in the blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We will worship the man of Galilee who went to a cross 2,000 years ago. And no one can take his place. No one will intercede or interfere. We will not permit it. So it is we have faith without fear. Hey there, Converge Nation. Pastor Ray here. And from the outset, let me just say thank you so much for joining us for today's online worship experience where we're connecting with you digitally. We're connecting with you virtually. It is true that the church has left the building, but just because we're social distancing, that does not mean that we have to be spiritually disengaged. We're honored that you've chosen to make Converge Church a part of your online worship experience today. We know, we recognize, we acknowledge the fact that you have options, not just a few, hundreds of thousands of brilliant communicators online right now, but we're honored that you have made us your preferred destination for you and your family this morning. We trust that something we say will encourage you, it will empower and strengthen you during these uncertain times. Uh, we're going to dive into the word as we continue our series, Faith Over Fear. And let me say this is the penultimate message in this series, simply meaning that uh, next Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to wrap up this series with our series finale. And the two messages are connected. What I share today uh, is, is sort of the uh, prelude, the introduction uh, to our series finale next week. And I'm super excited uh, about both messages. I'm equally as excited because in only a couple of weeks, in only a couple of weeks, we get to celebrate Mother's Day. And my beautiful, my beautiful Mocha Princess will be bringing the word on Sunday, May 10th. Husbands, sons, daughters, listen, listen. Save the date because we want to make sure that we honor these very special gifts in our lives, our mothers, okay? And not just mothers, we want to honor every woman. So Sunday, May 10th, I believe is the date for Mother's Day. Pastor Wendy will be bringing the word and I am super excited and she is, I mean like, she's ready to go. Amen. Uh, but we're going to dive into the word today. Uh, uh, and, and today's message is lifted from a somewhat familiar text. If you're a student of the word, and that's one of the things uh, that brings so much joy to my heart because uh, our Converge family, our community of faith, man, we are sticklers for the word. If the word doesn't say it, man, we, we stay away from it. And, uh, and so we're sticklers for the word. We're students of the word. And I want to revisit what is so what many might consider a familiar passage of scripture, and uh, but we pray that the Lord will give us new insights and understanding uh, this morning. So right where you are, come on somebody, some of you, y'all in your PJs, some of y'all in your snugglies, some of y'all in your onesies, come on somebody, Dexter Jackson, come on, listen, grab that cup of coffee 
and let's dive into the word together. Uh, if you're old school like me, you probably have your Bible in your preferred translation. Uh, if you're new school, you've got your iPad, you've got your, your smart TV, you've got your uh, 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 your Galaxy, your Note, what have you. Hey, follow along with us. And not only on your, your mobile device, take advantage of the notes that are available right now on version. all right? Uh, again, we're in our Faith Over Fear sermon series. Today's message is titled, uh, Through the Storm. Through the Storm. Amen. We trust that you will be encouraged as we minister the word today. In fact, let's do this. Let's invite uh, God's grace uh, to help us navigate the text uh, with, with great reverence and humility and, uh, and to rightly divide the truth of God's word. But not only that, not only that, for me as a communicator, let's also pray that God will give us ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, what the spirit of the Lord will say to us through the word today as the word and spirit work together in tandem. Father, we come to you in that name that is above every other name, the mighty matchless name of Jesus. Father, we take pause now to look to your word. Jesus, you said man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So this morning we lean in, we press into your word. And Father, I pray that it would be unto us according to our faith, that we will place a demand on your word, Father, this morning to help us to understand these uncertain, tumultuous times we find ourselves in. Father, I thank you that no one, no one will leave this conversation. No one will leave this time around your word empty or unfulfilled in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we trust you now to inform and instruct us as only you can in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen and amen. As I mentioned earlier, this is the penultimate message in this series. We've got one more message after this one, but here we go. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to our anchor text, uh, which is lifted from Luke chapter 8. We'll begin reading in verse number 22. Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 22, through the storm. Uh, the narrative picks up in verse 22 with these words, now it happened. Uh, it's one of those sudden uh, moments where we pick up the story and uh, Jesus is, is about to invite his disciples on this junket, this excursion across from where they were to the other side. It says, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, come on, this is the word of the Lord. He gives them this instruction and he says, let us cross over to the other side. Now, just to put this into perspective, these are 12 disciples. These are Jesus's apprentices. Uh, these are disciples. Uh, the Hebrew word for these men, uh, apprentice or disciple, devoted follower is Talmud, disciples, Talmudim. These were men who would apprentice with a professional, with a master for several years to learn the trade. What is interesting about Hebrew culture is uh, many of the trades were became the family business. So if your father was a fisherman, you would be a Talmud to your father and follow in his footsteps. If he was a tanner, if he was a tent maker, and so on and so forth. Uh, likewise, these men are spiritual apprentices to Jesus. Jesus is rabbi. He is the teacher. And these men, his disciples, 12 of them in number, are about to get in this boat in obedience to this instruction. Let's go to the other side. Now, to put it in perspective, uh, the boats back then were not 
large uh, seaworthy vessels as we might imagine. In fact, uh, some of the remaining vessels are right in the, the vicinity of about 27 feet tall. Uh, I'm sorry, 27 feet long and about uh, four feet deep. I mean, really shallow, very narrow, not very long. So there's 12, 12 disciples plus the rabbi, 13 men who are going to pile into this vessel that historically would suggest it's only about 27 feet long. They're about to traverse this river that at this point is very calm. Uh, and so the narrative picks up in verse number 23. But as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep and a windstorm came on the lake and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. In order to fully exegete the text, I, I really feel like I re need to revisit verse number 22. Because listen, if we're going to go through the storms of life successfully, and COVID-19 is an example of such a storm. It, the pandemic is an example of a global crisis. And the truth is, if we're going to navigate this storm effectively, and we're going to come out on the other side better instead of bitter, I think there's an opportunity for us to understand how Jesus takes us through these storms. Beginning with verse 22, Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side. Notice what God said to you before the crisis is still true during the crisis. And as you come out of the crisis, and I think that's important this morning, Converge Nation, because if you don't find yourself in a crisis, it's possible you could be heading into one. You just don't know it yet. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. If you find yourself in a crisis right now, listen, the Lord could be bringing you out of it. And he's bringing you out of it wiser, stronger, and so much better. That's why James said it this way in James chapter one. He said, count it all joy. He says, when you reconcile the books of your life, and he's using accounting terms, count it all joy when you're faced with these diverse tests and trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience and let patience have its perfect work so that after you've been through all of this, don't short circuit or circumvent the process prematurely. Let patience have its perfect work. Let it run its course. And this is what it says. You will be complete, lacking no good thing. Listen to me. There's something about crisis moments and crisis seasons that God allows us to go through for the purpose, not of destroying us, but developing us. And that's what James is reiterating in the text. He's saying, listen, reconcile the books. And when you reconcile the books spiritually, you're not going to end up in the red. In fact, this thing is going to work out for your good and ultimately for God's glory. So whether you find yourself in a storm, coming out of a storm or heading into a storm as the disciples were about to do, listen, either way we win. May I just submit to you that in the kingdom economy, there's no such thing when we're obedient to God as a win-lose proposition. It is always win-learn. It is always win-learn. I'm going to win 
and I'm going to learn something. And that is the lesson of James chapter one. But I digress. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. We're still in verse 22 of Luke chapter eight. Remember, whatever God said to you before the crisis is still true during the crisis and after the crisis, because sometimes life gets hard. But God is still good. God doesn't change. In him, there is no shifting or shadow of turning. So if he said to you, uh, when things were calm and things were quiet, let's go to the other side. Whatever he said to you then is still true right now. I want you to hear that. I don't know what you're navigating. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what you're going through. But God's promise to you before the storm is still true in the midst of of the storm. Number two, always consider, always revisit, always hold on to what God said to you specifically before the storm. Uh, and if we're, if we're honest this morning, I believe that God prepares us. Uh, he speaks to us, whether it's in our prayer time, whether it's through a song, whether it's through a message that we heard, God will give us a word in season that will prompt us and prepare us for what we're about to go into. I could tell you story after story of times when God said some things to my heart that I didn't understand in the moment, but when the crisis came and the storm came, I knew that God had given me that word to prepare me for what he was bringing me into so that he could ultimately bring me through. What has God said to you specifically? Or what did God say to you specifically before all of this happened? Because if he said something to you before, it is still true right now. It is still true right now. So don't fear. Don't fret. Hold on to what God said. He said, well, Pastor Ray, well, I don't know. If the Lord gave me a word, if he spoke something to me specifically, I don't even know what it sounds like to hear God's voice, to be led by the spirit. In those times of uncertainty, when you don't think God said something, you said something to you specifically. Here's what you do. You hold on to what God said to his people collectively, because if God said it to his people, it's not just for us collectively. It's also for you specifically. Listen to what God said about every crisis. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, these are the words of Paul. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Listen, when you go through a difficult time, when you go through a dry season, when you go through a season when, man, you can't trace God in those seasons, when you can't trace them, you learn to trust him. When you can't trace him, he said, do not lose heart. I think that's one of the first things that sets in when we go through a difficult time after God's given us a word. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in the midst of a storm. Notice what Paul says. He says, therefore, do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. But notice what he says next in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 4. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Notice, whatever you're going through right now has a shelf life. It has an expiration date. This too shall pass. And notice what Paul called it. He called it a light momentary affliction. But notice what he says it's doing for us. It is working for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. He's saying this difficulty, this hard time, this dry season is producing something of infinitely greater value, weight, 
and substance so that there will be substance to you when you've come out of this because a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Notice what he says, while we do not look at things that are seen, but the things that are, which are not seen. He's talking about faith over fear. He's talking about faith over fear. We don't look at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are not seen. And here's why. He says, for the things that are seen, everything you see right now <laughs> that seems so real, that seems so overwhelming, that seems so daunting. Listen to what Paul says. The things which you see, everything you feel, everything you're experiencing right now, baby, is temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Everything you can see is subject to change. Only the things we cannot see that have their origin in God are eternal. And that's why you and I have to choose. We have to make that conscious choice to choose faith over fear. Now, let me just let me just take this moment for a public service announcement. Listen, all fear is not bad. In fact, when fear is healthy, it is a God-given, inherent, intrinsic emotion that God gives his sons and daughters uh, to make sure that in times of danger, we can revert to survival mode. In fact, fear produces one of three responses, fight, flight, or freeze. And all three of these emotions, when they are healthy, are God-given to alert us that there is impending danger, but it also elicits one of three of those responses. So not all fear is bad fear. Uh, but when fear goes toxic, uh, when fear uh, is, is unhealthy, what it produces is all manner of phobias that keep us from being our best self. Xenophobia and uh, agoraphobia and so on and so forth. There are so many phobias out there. But once again, I digress. What did God speak to you specifically before the storm? Because it's still true. Number two, if you say, Pastor Ray, I don't have a word that I can hold on specifically for me. Remember what God said collectively. Listen to me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Listen, the, the psalmist said in Psalm 27, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. No weapon formed against me will prosper, and every tongue that rises against me shall be condemned. When I walk through the fire, it will not consume me. When I walk through the flood, it will not overwhelm me. Wherever you are today, going into a storm, in a storm, or coming out of a storm, when you don't know and can't recall, or you're unsure about what God said to you specifically, hold on to what God said collectively. And I'm speaking of the promises of God, which also belong to you personally. Glory to God. Uh, so the scripture says, uh, let's go back. I got a little excited there. I got a little excited there because I felt that it was important for us to revisit what's happening. So Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They jump in the boat, uh, small boat, and then comes this this violent windstorm, one translation calls it. Now, it's important to understand because of the, the topography and the geography of that region, the lake that they're traversing, the lake that they're crossing is surrounded by mountains, which often would uh, give opportunity for squalls. Squalls are just these really violent 
outburst, sudden outbursts of wind, often accompanied by rain. All right. So, so in modern nautical terms, what the disciples and Jesus are experiencing at this point is what we, you and I would refer to in modern language as a squall, a violent, a sudden and violent outburst uh, uh, of wind and often accompanied by rain and sometimes snow and sleet. Uh, so here they are. Jesus has given them a word. Let's go to the other side. And here is this disruption that is threatening their ability to get to the other side. I can imagine that the disciples were really confused because what they're experiencing looks absolutely nothing like what they expected. Have you ever been there? When what you were experiencing in life looked nothing like what Jesus promised? When what you were experiencing in real time looked and sounded nothing like what you expected? And we've taught our church this, right? The, the distance between what you expect and what you're experiencing will always determine the degree of your exasperation. And so what we have to do as Christ followers is narrow the gap between what we're expecting and what we actually experience. And that's where faith comes in. So here, 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 all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and we're learning how to get through the storm. All of a sudden, they find themselves in a crisis. But before that, there's an interesting uh, uh, phrase where the scripture says that Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And the very next thing it says is, and they launched out. I like that because that's such a beautiful picture. And when we read the text, what we're doing, man, is we're just kind of eavesdropping. We're, we're kind of spying in on Jesus' interaction with his disciples because Jesus is always intentional and deliberate about what he's doing. None of this is random or haphazard. And we're learning this lesson of what to do in a crisis through the disciples uh, and, and how they responded. So the first thing they did, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And guess what they did? All 12 of them got in the boat and they launched out. I love that because when, when life is good, it's so easy to obey Jesus. <laughs> when life is good, it's so easy to hear him. We hear him and he's crystal clear and we have no doubt what he said. You know why? Because the water's calm and the temperature's perfect. The sun is out. Everything is just the way you and I would like it. And, but there's a danger. There's a danger uh, if we expect that everything Jesus said means that all of our circumstances and every situation is going to be pristine and perfect. I call it initial obedience. Initial obedience is what we do when the circumstances are ideal. That's where there is initial obedience. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. <laughs> well, come on, man. Let's roll out. We jump in the boat. But notice what happens next. Uh, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And this windstorm, this squall came down on the lake. And they were filling with water. And they were in jeopardy. Listen, we're good at starting, but how many of us have learned the art of waiting? And not just waiting. How many of us have learned the art of trusting while we wait? You see, because initial obedience is really good at getting started. But what happens when you find yourself in the middle? 
somewhere between where you were and where God is calling you to be. Listen, it's just as easy to tuck tail and run back to what is familiar and what is convenient as it is to forge ahead into uncharted territories. Have you ever found yourself in the middle? This is exactly where, exactly where the disciples find themselves. And not only do they find themselves in the middle, not only do they find themselves somewhere between now and next, not only do they find themselves somewhere between where they were and where they could and should be, Jesus is asleep. Now, now, hold up. This wasn't their idea. In fact, they were responding to an invitation from Jesus. And now their whole world is falling apart. Now, you have to know that this was serious because these were fishermen. Uh, they were comfortable on the water. They were comfortable in, 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 in sort of these volatile uh, uh, weather conditions. But this was significant enough that it scared even the fishermen. In fact, the scripture goes on to say that the boat was beginning to fill with water. I don't know, man, what you're experiencing. I don't know what you're walking through, but sometimes life will throw a curveball at you. And it will seem like, Jesus, I was only doing what you told me to do. In fact, all of this cr trouble I'm experiencing and adversity I'm experiencing is because I was obedient to what you said. May I submit to you, Converge Nation, this morning that sometimes trials come and struggles come not because of something you did, even though that's sometimes true, that you could be suffering because of something that was self-imposed, your bad decisions. But when our hearts and the posture of our hearts is inclined to honor and obey God, sometimes we'll find ourselves in the middle of a storm because of our obedience. And in those seasons, it can be very confusing because you're standing there and you're saying to yourself, I heard Jesus say, let's go to the other side. In fact, the reason I'm even in this boat is because of what I heard him say. And if you remember last week, we said sometimes what we see, <laughs> come on somebody, can be more real than what we thought we heard God say. In fact, every storm comes to do one of two things. Number one, It'll come to cause us to question what we heard God say, Adam and Eve. Satan comes in to the garden and he says to Eve, did God really say that? I, I, I know, you know, I, you know, I'm trying to be funny or nothing, but are you sure? Are you certain that God really said that? Because if God really told you, let's go to the other side, you wouldn't be dealing with what you're dealing right now. In fact, the reason you're dealing with what you're dealing with is because you missed God. You may find yourself in a place in the middle, I call it, the sunken place <laughs> for all of you get out fans. You may find yourself in the sunken place today, but always remember what God said. Let's go to the other side. So Jesus is asleep in the middle. And uh, listen, if you find yourself in the middle today, here's the lesson we learned from the text. Make sure Jesus is in the boat. As you're going through the storm, and I, I, I know it sounds elementary. Maybe you came today looking for an earth-shattering revelation. Maybe you looked for these, these really wise, looking for these really wise statements that all started with R. Maybe you're looking for a principle that rhymed. But listen, the most important thing when you find yourself 
in the midst of a crisis, when you find yourself in the middle of a storm, is simply this. Is Jesus in the boat? And I would venture to say most of us find ourselves in storms and Jesus is still on the shore. You know why? Because we set out and we set sail without inviting Jesus to be a part of the process. Listen to me. There are storms that you and I will encounter that are self-imposed. And when you look around you and when you begin to think about how did I get here somewhere between where I was and where I'm supposed to be, we have to stop long enough to, long enough to consider was Jesus ever in the boat? The good news is in the text, Jesus was in the boat and they were right where they were because they were being obedient to Jesus. Now, initial obedience is one thing. It's the kind of faith that's really easy because my circumstances are conducive to the instruction. But what kind of faith is God looking for in this crisis? I believe God is looking for the kind of faith that obeys even illogical instructions. But once again, I digress because, look, here it is. Make sure Jesus is in. And if Jesus is in your boat, even if he's asleep, listen, he has every intention of fulfilling his promise, regardless of what happens between one shore and the next. He said, let's go to the other side. And guess what? He is Lord and sovereign over everything in between. He's not just Alpha. He's not just Omega. He is a God who will never leave us and never forsake us, even in the midst of a storm. So is Jesus. My question to you today, Converge, is Jesus in the boat with you? Because if he is, whatever he said to you, before the crisis is still true in the middle of the crisis. Right now, as your boat, as your boat is filling with water, and metaphorically speaking, I don't know what that means for you. You may find yourself where your boat is filling with water. It's filling with water. And it seems like God is silent. But just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. Just because he's asleep doesn't mean he doesn't care. The reason he's asleep in the midst of your crisis is simply this. He said, let's go to the other side. So what happens in between does not matter because he will fulfill his promise to you. No matter how impossible it seems in this moment. Here's the second thing in the middle of the storm. When you find yourself in the sunken place, when you find yourself halfway when you find yourself somewhere between where you were and where you're headed, when you find yourself somewhere between now and next, here's the second thing. If you find yourself in the middle of the crisis, no matter what, if Jesus is in the boat, three words, don't get out. <laughs> yeah, I know you see, I know you see the, I know you see the boat filling with water. I know you think the, the boat's going to go down. I know you hear the winds whistling around you. I know your, your professional uh, history and experience is telling you this is bad. But if Jesus is in the boat, no matter what, don't get out. Uh, I'm about to bring this thing in for a landing. Here we go. 
verse 24 declares, and they came to him and awoke him saying, master, we are perishing. One translation says, master, carest not that we perish. And that's the second thing storms will do, Converge Nation. They will not only cause us to question what Jesus said, they will cause us to question how much he cares. Mm. That's where the faith wounds happen. That's where the faith wounds fester. Because if Jesus really cared, he wouldn't let me go through this. He wouldn't let me walk through this dark place. He wouldn't let me experience these, these, this, this season of just enough or this season of not enough. He wouldn't let me experience this hard place. So I know what you say, preacher. Pastor Ray, I know what you've been saying about this Jesus, but check this, man. He really doesn't care about me because if he really cared, he wouldn't be asleep on my crisis. He wouldn't be asleep during my trouble. He would be awake and he would be doing something about it because you know what? I'm in this predicament because of him. I was simply obeying him and I was trying to be that good church boy, that good church girl, and look at what it got me. I'm talking about how Jesus gets us through the storm. And, and so they come to Jesus and they ask him this question that we often ask. Jesus, don't you care? Don't, don't really? I've served you all this time. I've prayed all these prayers. I've been faithful to you. And my boat's about to go down and you sleep? Unresponsive, indifferent, nonchalant? If we're true, if we're honest, even the faith giants among us have been in that place. In a storm, where you turn to first always reveals where you've put your trust. You've heard me say that before. But as I was preparing this message, I had a second thought, a second consideration. Is it possible that where we turn to first can also reveal where we've placed our blame for the predicament? <laughs> what if the disciples weren't coming to Jesus because they trusted him? What if the disciples were waking Jesus up because they were looking for somebody to blame for their problem? And I, I, I've, I've, I've been there before. Guilty as charged. When I turned to God, not because I trusted him, but I turned to God because I was looking for someone to blame for my predicament. Notice the tone and tenor and the language of the accusation. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? Because when life seems like it's falling apart, we look for someone to blame. It's the Adam syndrome. Adam, where are you? Man, what, what, what just went down? Uh, the woman you gave me. It's your, it's your fault. All of this, Jesus, because you brought Eve to me. I was minding my own business, taking care of the garden, taking care of these animals. And you said I needed a wife. And so it's your fault. Eve, what happened? The, uh, the serpent. And it's human nature that sometimes we turn to God not only in faith. We turn to God in our frustration to point a finger of accusation and blame at him. And if you find yourself in a crisis during this COVID-19 pandemic, where things are tight, where moments are dark, where there's great uncertainty, make sure that when you fall on your knees and draw near to Jesus, that it's in faith 
not frustration, not in blame, but in quiet trust. Uh, so Jesus, uh, they shook him up, woke him up from his nap, man. <laughs> Jesus was hitting that REM sleep, man. He was deep in there. And what, part of the reason I believe that Jesus was unmoved was because he already told him, let's go to the other side. Pastor Ray, what do you mean? Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. And so the narrative picks up there. Then he, Jesus, arose, and guess what he did? He rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. Listen to me. We've said this before. Faith is voice activated. And so Jesus speaks to the wind and the raging waters. He speaks to the storm. And notice what happened. And they ceased. And there was a calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? Now, listen to me, guys. I'm not going to try to pretend like I'm one of those faith giants and those faith superheroes. I would have been tripping. I would have been tripping just like these 12 disciples. And I would have been like Chris Rock. Hey, man, don't you understand the word that's coming out of my mouth? That's how it would have been with Jesus, man. I would have been straight tripping. But Jesus, after he calms the storm, says to them, where is your faith? Where's your faith? And Jesus is just chill and laid back about it. It's like, why are y'all tripping? What? What's the problem? Listen, the boat was filling with water. And it's in those moments, Converge Nation, that we have to realize, I said it this week, it bears repeating, that Jesus has this expectation of us that what he said must become more real than what we see. And what Jesus said was, let's go to the other side. And sometimes faith omits, faith omits the details of what we will experience while we're obeying God. Listen, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Now, what most of us look for when Jesus gives us an instruction, number one, uh, we, 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 we expect, we anticipate smooth sailing. Sail on down the line and come on, Commodores. What we expect, what we think we're entitled to is a smooth ride. All Jesus said was, let's go to the other side. And he didn't prepare them for what would happen in between. And that's where most of us lose it. So when Jesus says, where's your faith, man? What Jesus was saying was, I gave you enough for the journey. And if I needed to tell you something else, I would have told you all you needed. All you needed to hang your hat on was that one instruction, let's go to the other side. And in that command, in that instruction, what Jesus was actually saying is, oh, we're going to get to the other side. Now, what Jesus left out was the fact that there's going to be some encounters before you get to the other side. But listen to me, baby. We go get to the other side. You know why? Because the flower fades and the grass withers. But the word of God, it shall abide forever. And that's why I said before, it's critically important to remember what God said to you specifically before the storm. Because if he said it before the storm, it's still true during the storm and after the storm. 
So don't quit. Don't quit halfway. Jesus wanted their faith to be established on what he said, not what they saw. Jesus gave them an instruction that omitted the details of what would occur between where they were and where he was taking them. And that's what the life of faith looks like. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Ah, but it's going to be a minute. Joseph, your brothers are going to bow to you eventually. But they're going to throw you in a pit. And then you're going to be sold as a slave. And then you're going, to, you're going to have this moment of reprieve where you're going to serve Potiphar and serve him faithfully. He's going to promote you. Ah, but then you're going to be falsely accused by this desperate housewife named Potiphar. And then you're going to end up in the prison. And then you're going to help some people in the prison. And it's going to be two years that they're going to forget you. And then when they need you again, after they forgot you, oh, all of a sudden they're going to remember you. But that's when your purpose will be fulfilled. Not the easy, short way, but the long, sometimes arduous route. You see, because Jesus gives us a word. And no matter what, if we'll simply trust that word, he is the God who sees the end from the beginning. So he says to them, let's go to the other side. And in saying, let's go to the other side, what Jesus was saying, no matter what, Converge Nation, you will get to the other side. You will get through this, through. You will get through this. And that's the operative word. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear absolutely no evil. And so the story closes with this record of Jesus' final words to his disciples in the midst of the crisis. And it says, and they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Can I tell you something else about this crisis? Jesus wants to reveal something of himself that you have never seen or experienced before. Maybe you know him as the Lord, your provider, Jehovah Jireh. What if this season he wants to reveal himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. And again, let me say this. God is not the author of sickness and disease and lack and poverty. He is a good, good father. But if Romans 8 and 28 is true, and it is, we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And there is something of who God is, something you've never seen, something you've never known. One more dimension of this great God that we serve, that he wants to reveal in and through this crisis. And this is where I close. This crisis is so that you and I would cultivate not just initial obedience or initial faith. I believe that in the midst of this, God wants you and I to cultivate persistent faith. In fact, persistent faith is what I like to call storm-proof faith faith. It is a faith that is unshakable and immovable, a faith that persists because we belong to a God who knows, a God who cares, and a God who will never leave us, and a God who will never forsake us. So here it is, persistent faith, persistent faith is never, 
It is never about overcoming God's reluctance. Instead, it is always about outlasting the enemy's persistence. And you know why? We don't have to overcome God's reluctance. We simply have to outlast the enemy's resistance. Here's why. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. So let me pray for you this morning, Converge Nation. And I want to pray specifically for those going through a storm this morning. But, but, but before I even pray for those ones who are going through a storm, uh, before I pray for the ones who are developing storm-proof faith, persistent faith this morning, first of all, I want to pray for that one who's going through the storm and Jesus ain't even in your boat. I would be remiss as a minister of the gospel if I did not offer you an opportunity to encounter the Jesus I just preached. So if that's you this morning, I want to give you a simple invitation to encounter, to experience firsthand the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it's real simple. The Bible says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, but I ask that you engage your heart humbly and in faith and believe as you invite Jesus into your heart. As you invite him into your life, he will be the captain of your boat and help you navigate this storm. Let's pray, Converge Nation. Pray this prayer after me. Dear God, I come to you now in Jesus' name. Lord, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, I acknowledge and I thank you that 2,000 years ago, you went to the cross and died for my sins. And on the third day, you rose from the grave. And you are alive and you sit at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me from all righteousness. And receive me as your son, as your daughter. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that I'm born again, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that old things have passed away and everything has become new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, rest assured, according to John chapter 1 and verse 12, that as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. Let me pray for those who are on the line today, who are watching online today, who are going through a storm. Jesus, we thank you that because you're in the boat, we will make it. We will get to the other side. And we thank you, God, that you're not just taking us through, you're taking us to something. And I thank you that absolutely nothing absolutely nothing will keep us from experiencing and walking in your God-ordained, God-given purpose for our lives in Jesus' name. I thank you that this storm will not just be a, will not be a stumbling block, it'll be a stepping stone for us to get to where you're taking us. And we thank you, Lord, for the revelation of a new side, a new uh, facet of who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are the God who speaks to storms ah, and calms the winds and the waves with your peace, declaring peace 
be still. We declare that to every, every anxious heart this morning. The word of the Lord, peace, be still. And we declare in Jesus' name that you will get to the other side. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, Converge Nation, as always, it's been a pleasure connecting with you around the word. We thank all of you for your faithfulness, not only to worship with us virtually, digitally, but also your generosity that has undergirded and uh, continues to undergird and sustain us through these difficult times. We pray that God will bless you and multiply your generosity back to you. The URL, uh, the giving information should be on the screen. Uh, there's never ever any pressure or compulsion for you to give. We just trust that you will give as the Lord has blessed you uh, so that we can be a blessing. As Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Thank you for helping us make life-giving ministry possible, not just here in the United States, but now a global platform. God bless you. We'll see you next week.